It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a hump day edition of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you and we want to thank everybody for having us locked in and whether it's on the radio or whether it's on that free Sound of Mobile app that you can download to any Apple or Android device that you may have, we thank you. And also, you can call us the old-fashioned way. 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us here at WNSP 105.5. And today, for lunch, I had the opportunity to host the Crichton Optimist Club player of the year banquet and you know mobile alabama has so much talent it is unbelievable and i do mean it's unbelievable the amount of talent that we do have nick wiggins that we're able to watch every thursday or friday night in our area and that's why we devote six hours of coverage to high school football every friday night right here on wnsp yeah uh Mobile's got the best of the best, man. Who who in the, who was the uh, player of the year? So the Crichton Optimist Club player of the year was DJ Butler from Davidson. The offensive back of the year was Ryan Williams from Sarah Land. The offensive lineman of the year was Bo Cagle from Mobile Christian. The Crichton Optimist Club team of the year was the Mobile Christian Leopards and Followed by that was the Crichton Optimist Club Coach of the Year, which goes to Ronnie Cottrell. Mm -hmm. And from a defensive lineman standpoint, you had Antonio Coleman from Sarah Land. And from a defensive back standpoint, you had Ty Goodwill from Faith Academy. So all worthy award winners and how we went about that to become nominated through the Crichton Optimist Club. Of course, we have our Crichton Optimist Club Player of the Week through 14 weeks and through those weeks any player that was nominated at their position is eligible for the player of the year so it was some tremendous talent in that room today and in that banquet hall so we want to thank everyone who showed up and showed out for the Crichton Optimist Club end of the year football banquet and speaking of high school football a little bit of news coming out of Faith Academy today Legendary coach Jack French has officially retired from Faith Academy and high school football. And, and you look at the success of Jack French winning everywhere he has been. He's already a Hall of Famer in the state of Mississippi, won the National Coach of the Year. It was inducted into the National High School Athletic Coaches Association Hall of Fame last summer representing the state of Mississippi and you look at what he's been able to do at Baker and Baldwin County and also now at Faith Academy just winning everywhere he's been and just a tremendous 
leader of young men and being able to do it for so long. Jack French officially stepping down and retiring after 46 years in coaching. And that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's a great run, man. 46 years. I don't even know if uh, Lee Shervanian has been on the radio for 46 <laughs> years. Maybe he has. Hey, listen, they, they may be neck and neck in regards to, to how long they've been doing their profession, but two still outstanding young people. And I say young people because you're only as old as you feel. And Jack French getting out there every single day, whether it's 170 degrees outside or whether it's minus 32 70-year-old Jack French decides to go ahead and step away from Faith Academy. You so think we do Faith Academy's new coach is on the staff right now and will get promoted, or are they going to find someone from somewhere else, you think? You know, that's a, that's a hard call. That's a hard call. I know that administration there at, at, at Faith Academy probably would weigh all options. It's always good to be able to look from within because you have someone that the kids are very familiar with, you're familiar with the program, and there's nothing wrong with hiring from outside as well. And I know as we do go in today's show, politics and pigskins, those seem to be talked about a lot here with the College Football Committee's latest decision to leave out Florida State and you never thought it would get to the point and, and be as serious to where Florida's Attorney General, Ashley Moody, launches an antitrust investigation into Florida State's exclusion from the college football playoffs. And, of course, we've, we've seen the Governor Ron DeSantis chime in about what he feels about it. Now, what's done is done, Nick. So saying that you want to take a million dollars of of your state's next year's budget to put into the investigation and the examination of college football, my oh my, man. Politics yeah. and pigskins. I mean, what are we really doing there? What A million dollars? There's yes. a lot of things you could spend a million dollars on. Pro that would better the state of Florida, I think, than – I don't know what even is the best case scenario. There is no best case scenario. It's not like they're going to cancel the playoff. It's not like they're going to say this championship doesn't matter or anything like that. I just really don't understand what we're doing. I, I don't either from from that standpoint. I, I don't know what you have to gain from a political standpoint besides, I guess, trying to, to gain Knowles. votes yeah. um, in regards to showing your interest uh, for a particular team because the Florida Attorney General, she says she's a Florida Gator graduate, and she she just wants her state not to be overlooked. But even if you bring politics into the pigskin arena, what's done is done. You're, you're not going to be able to change it. Next year we're expanding to a 12-team college football format. There's going to be somebody who's really pissed off about that as well, or somebody who's going to be that 13th team that's on the outside looking in. So, I mean, what else do you do you expect them to do? I, I don't I don't know how getting politics or spending taxpayers' money better helps your circumstance of, of, of playing football in the college football playoffs. It doesn't, man. It doesn't. It's just a it's a waste of money, a waste of our 
of Florida taxpayers' dollars. It's ridiculous, but hey, they got two fake national championships out there in Florida now. So shout out to that state, UCF, FSU. Got to get the Gators <laughs> a fake chip. Maybe next year they'll be like the 13th seed right outside the playoff, and they can get their fake chip too. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this, and listeners chime in as well. We we all know we've been talking about the transfer portal ad nauseum, and we'll continue to talk about it, but today a judge issued a 14-day temporary restraining order allowing college athletes to transfer a second time and play immediately, and this judge ruling is from Judge Bailey in Northern West Virginia. Now you are ruling in favor of NCAA athletes seeking their second transfer because with this transfer portal, you'll allow to jump in there once. But now for you to, to come in and jump in a second time, now the judge says, yes, student athletes, you can do that. So even more politics and pigskin football I, I i like the fact that you're allowing young people if you're going to have nil money and allow them to make money you allow coaches to leave when they want to leave do you think there are red flags if you have a student athlete that transfers three or four times is that a red flag for the student athlete yeah it's a red flag but sometimes red flags aren't as bad as they may seem when you first see them. Sometimes there's other circumstances that lead to, uh, you know, that red flag being there. So let me get this straight, Corey. Right before this is all said and done, right now you can transfer once, and then you're, you can't transfer twice? Correct. And now they're saying, no, you actually can transfer twice. That is correct. Okay. So so mm -hmm. with this judge's ruling, you're I mean, able to like go ahead. think about like these Alabama quarterbacks who transferred to Alabama to hopefully have a run at maybe playing over Milrow or being like, you know, a legit competitor for that job. You know, now both those quarterbacks, I think every Alabama fan is fine never seeing them play quarterback for their team again. And, you know, these guys just got here. So, I mean, I guess they're playing, one's playing lacrosse now, but. You know, do they have the ability to continuously flip-flop? I guess I don't have a problem with that, but like you were saying earlier, it would be a red flag. If, well, is it a limit to two? Like, it can't be three. No, absolutely. Okay. The, the, the two was right where student-athletes were fighting for because the second time you weren't going to be allowed that waiver. You were going to have to sit out a year at the new school. So right. to grant immediate eligibility – not not having to sit out when you transfer that second time to be able to play without sitting. I see. I know that the NCAA made stricter guidelines and did pass out waivers on a case-by-case -case situation. And I know that the states that wanted the restraining order for this were Tennessee, West Virginia, where this judge judge's ruling was passed. Ohio, North Carolina, New York, Illinois, and Colorado. And now what you're doing is seeing it branched out to all of your NCAA student athletes. So I think that 
when you do look at case by case basis, I think that there are some extenuating circumstances that that will allow and should allow players to be able to play immediately based on if I transfer and, and my mom or grandma or my caretaker who raised me gets sick and I want to go back home and be closer to home so I can take care of, care of her or a family member, the NCAA in past situations has said, nope, you, you, you can't do that. We're going to regulate that. We're not going to allow. We're going to make you sit out an entire calendar year and wait. So, again, I, I think that you do have a situation to where, yeah, you can be a, a, a grad transfer and jump into the portal. Good, good call right there in regards to using the app and saying grad transfers can go twice. But if you are a non-graduate, then your average Joe is, is probably not your graduate student. And there are extenuating circumstances that does say that. And somebody else in the app says, what is there to investigate by the attorney general? The committee was tasked with picking people who they wanted to playoffs. They selected the teams they wanted. I agree with that 100%. I, I think that when you're in a situation to where you do have the attorney general, there are bigger and more riveting issues to delve upon in, in your job as attorney general than to sit and worry about college football. Now, if you want to sit up in the suites and enjoy your state's team participating in the game, by all means, go right ahead. But I, I just don't I don't see how jumping in as a politician besides the sway votes. You see, I wanted to help Florida. I wanted to help Florida State or I wanted to help my my state get in and allocate money to do that is the answer. And as far as the judges issuing rulings in West Virginia today to allow college athletes to transfer, non-grad students to transfer and be eligible immediately, I do think you have to have a case-by-case -case situation. And that is a case-by-case -case basis without question because the college football realm and landscape is definitely changing. It's not staying the same. It, it, it's it's huge when you look at the portal and when NIL and many people are saying just do away with the NCAA. But the biggest story there was this year in, in North Carolina wide receiver Tez Walker. And he had to set out plenty of games and didn't get a waiver until midseason. And he's an elite wide receiver. And he had extenuating waiting circumstances. So that's where I feel that, you know, you can go ahead and the NCAA does make some some very irrational decisions when it comes to the eligibility of NCAA college students, Nick. Don't know again. You think it should be case by case? I mean, like you were saying, like there's going to be a, a reason why one guy had to transfer a lot. And then sometimes it might even be all just football, right? Maybe you transfer somewhere. They say, hey, we're going to start you. You don't win the job. Someone else comes in they like better, that transfers in. I mean, as long as people can keep moving around and moving in, then you're going to have to have the flexibility and ability to move out. So, Agreed there. 
Today, we also have George Teague, Alabama Sports Hall of Famer, former national mm. champion, joining us at 4 o'clock. And we have our Senior Bowl show with Jim Nagy at 5. Jason Aponte will talk San Francisco 49ers at 3.30. We'll go into our NFL power rankings also here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is Coach Tommy Tuberville, and you're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LaBounty along with Nick Wiggins and Triple G. I know how much you love watching the NBA, but last night, man, Draymond Green, he strikes again. Yeah. This time to the head. I'm not going to choke you this time. I'm just going to go ahead and catch you with the corner of my elbow. Knocked out Yusuf Nurkic of the Suns. How you like Draymond Green, man? Would you? I mean, he's already punched out one of his teammates a year yeah. ago. Kind of sh- destroyed the team's chemistry. But to me, I know... He's kind of the modern-day bad boy, the modern-day Dennis Rodman, maybe even a little bit worse than what Ron Artest is. You can't take away from his gifts and his skills, but at some point in time, you're a cancer to your team, and he's just out of control, man. Yeah, he's hurting the team for sure. He puts uh, the Warriors in bad spots. I feel like he gets eliminated. Um or ejected in bad spots. He makes bad decisions and big crucial clutch moments. But all that being said, like it seems like Draymond will have the stupidest, most horrible play you've ever seen. But then, you know, right thereafter, he'll have a nice steal and set up a nice pass to get Curry, you know, an open three. So, I mean, you got to take the good with the bad. I do think he sets an intensity for that Warriors team, but he's just got to control himself a little more like, you know, you're a veteran. This would have been different five years ago. But now you're, like, on TNT. You do their commentaries sometimes. So you got to just have a little more self-control, uh, really, I think is what it comes down to. Now, like, he was just kind of flailing his arms around. I don't think he was purposely trying to, like, hurt uh, Nurkic. You, you don't think he knew Nurkic was standing right behind him? I do, but I don't think that he meant to, like, maybe deliver the blow that was delivered. So what he just, my man was supposed to duck before he swung his elbow? I don't it know. Was, I mean, it was, it was a flagrant. He got ejected. It I was, know. He and said rightfully he would have so. squared him up. Afterwards, he, he clarified yeah. his, said, listen, I'm a grown man. I would have turned around. I know how to punch. I know how to fight. I would have swung at him. But to me, if you're dirty... You're dirty. You can dis- you you can't disguise dirty. Disguise dirty for me. Draymond Green again. Chris Paul's is, good at disguising dirtiness. He's a really dirty player. But he doesn't get ejected and isn't choking people by the neck right. and is not a world champion the same way Draymond Green right. is. So I think that when you start looking at what Draymond Green did and you know, Nick Again, our, our little slice of, of basketball carved into it. But, I mean, who who is worse? Dennis Rodman, Ron Artest, or Draymond Green? Are those three perfect errors of what we're seeing in basketball there that 
they're all menaces and more cancerous than good. Um, I can't think of another player on Draymond's level in the NBA currently. I mean, he's always yelling at the refs and and you know, causing contact. Um, but see, I think what's different between him and Ron Artest and or Meta World Peace, whatever you want to call him, yeah. and Dennis Rodman is that Draymond is not just like the wild card. He's also like the leader of the team. Like I know Steph Curry's the best player on the team. Right. But I do think that Draymond is the leader and you would just expect him to be better than what I he mean, is. I mean, Steve Kerr said it, man. We need him. He, he we need him. We talked to Draymond. We've talked to him. He's got to find a way to keep his poise and be out there for his teammates. If you really want to be a good team, we need him. And uh, once again, I, you cannot disguise dirty. And what Draymond Green has done, he's already choked the man. He done put a man yes. to sleep in the choker hole from behind. So yes. don't tell me you're I ready to square people that. up and punch them in their I face, Nick. He, he, he grabbed my man from behind and yeah. choked him, yeah. not from the front. So don't give me that BS about wanting to square people up and look them in their eyes and I'm not a dirty player. Man, that's that, that's garbage. You can say that, you know, because nobody's buying that. And for Draymond to be the elite defender and the elite rebounder and probably a future Hall of Famer with the number Not of probably, rings he's won. Yeah, definitely. Man, you can't be doing that, brother. I know. See, sometimes I feel like he kind of leans into the antics to get eliminated, maybe. Like, I feel like sometimes he's like, man, you know what? I can just kind of pop off. I'll become the headline of the night. My podcast next week is going to get, you know, way more views and listens than it normally does. I'll pay whatever fine. It'll all even out at the end. So uh, my legs are hurting anyway. I'm just going to punch this guy. I'm just going to flail my arms around a little bit, and maybe it'll hit him. Maybe it'll knock him out, or maybe it'll cause at least some kind of, I don't know, something. He done put Ro but I Rudy don't Gobert think that to sleep. I don't think that the hit on Nurkic was as intentional as it uh, seemed. I don't think. How many games should he get for this, Nick? How many games? Because you've already suspended him once for for putting a man to sleep in a chokehold earlier in the I NBA game, and sleep. that was a jump ball. He did not put him to sleep. He didn't put him to sleep. Um, I don't know. Maybe six games. No. Absolutely no? not. Ten, no. ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen. It's a repeated behavior. Saying the whole season. It's a repeated behavior. Well, don't do it. You want to stay and play? Don't Come do it. You obviously not you like don't he care. He looked him dead in the eyes and you know put his fists up and then you know did a jab. He put a man to sleep from behind. He put him in a sleeper hole, bruh. And then he turned around now and his elbowed a man from behind. Man, this dude. Is a menace, Double not digit only minimum. Well, I thought we were always talking about how soft the league was today. I look, Draymond ain't nothing Isn't soft Draymond about bringing the way the intensity he plays. You got to control that y'all old heads love. Control your intensity. <laughs> you control your intensity. Control the way you go about playing the game of basketball. It, 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 do you, is that the way you play basketball no. as a teammate? 
No, no, no. Well, that that's my whole point, man. Look, Draymond's over the hill. He's doing. He's fighting to stay relevant. He is clawing to stay yeah. relevant and to make an impact on his team. He's over the hill, um, but he still has all the knowledge, the basketball knowledge and intangibles that you want, and the intensity that you want. You just gotta harness it, rein it in, because the skill is lacking. I mean, my guy's airballing layups. <laughs> he can't shoot anymore. Um. Just wanted to get your thoughts, man, on Draymond ago. Green. I wanted to catch I like you on Draymond. that. I like Draymond. I think Draymond's a top five defensive player in NBA history. I, I won't argue with what he's been able to do, but his history for his on-court antics and yeah. his tr- the way he treats his teammates is trash. I know. My guy, my guy ha- you could probably put together a whole three-minute highlight reel of just uh, him like hitting people, not even include a single basketball play. It's all the nut kicks and the punches. And it's the ridiculous. It, it, it's gone to beyond ridiculousness. I do like him, though. What can I say? Well, I you'll like get him. an opportunity to see him after commissioner relieves him of probably about 10 to 15 games. And I say 10-game like minimum. 10-game minimum for repeated behavior that, that's inexcusable for the NBA. Give me C- eight. Eight. You say eight, he's going to get double digits, Nick. I'm sorry to say it. Here it is, Jason Aponte. We we talk NFL Power Five with Jason Aponte. The 49ers, through week three or four, they were right up there at number one. They disappeared off of that map and have come back and finished strong. We'll talk to Jason Aponte about the 49ers and what they have cooking next here on The Final Drive. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio, 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this hump day Wednesday edition. And we love to talk NFL football because you get the double header on last Monday night and then you get the San Francisco 49ers revving things up in their division and the 49ers are kind of an enigma when you look at the way that they got things started in the NFC West started off 5-0 lost three in a row and people were saying Brock Purdy plenty of tape on this young fella now we we've got him figured out the 49ers said not so fast my friend we're going to win five more in a row are now 10 and three one of the best nfl teams that are around and jason aponte joins us from niners nation sprint right podcast is also how you can check him out jason welcome to the final drive my friend how's it going Corey? how's it going nick it's uh it's a fun time right now uh in 49er land uh five in a row three three down and then five in a row you know i mean this team is consistent if not anything else (laughs) yeah they are i mean i I just know that everything really has begins and ends with the way brock purdy has played and and he's a quiet front runner for league mvp and if the 49ers continue to win and he continues to, to to be efficient is it? Do you think he has a chance, really, to win the league's most valuable player? 
he 100% belongs in the conversation. And when you look at the metrics that he leads in, most of the time when a quarterback leads in these metrics, it more often than not, if not 100% of the time, leads to an MVP. Now, the reason that people are skeptical are because he's the last pick in the draft. And, and people have a tough time wrapping their head around it because you've never seen anything like it. But going through some of his numbers, they're just sparkling. I mean, he's 21st in the league in attempts. He's number one in completion percentage, 70.2. 9.9 yards per attempt. Uh, 7% touchdown percentage. I mean, he's number one in quarterback rating. He is number one in average yak, uh, yards after the catch, but it's still lower than the number that Patrick Mahomes had in the year that he won MVP. So that argument's a little bit debunked. And his interception rate is 1.9%. I mean, when you look at the way this offense has been operating, the only example that we have of it operating to this level is under Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta, and guess who won the MVP that year? It was Matt Ryan. I just, I just think it's, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating discussion because people just don't know how to process this. Well, when you look at the 49ers' success, is it, is it due to the offensive side of the football? Is it due to the defensive side of the football? What really has been the 49ers' push and and reason for them to get back on the winning side of things? Well, offense is always going to be the main show, right? Very much like in baseball, chick stick, the long ball. Everybody loves that, right? But I think what's a little bit of an underrated aspect is out of the bye week, the 49ers were struggling defensively, and they were struggling to figure out how their pass rush would connect with their secondary. That has been cleaned up since Steve Wilkes has actually come down. They've actually, you know, they lost Tyron Ohufunga, which is no you know, short thing to lose and just go ahead and keep going because he's an all-pro. But Jair Brown, their third-round pick, has absolutely stepped in and played very well. I mean, the back end has looked very good. Um, you know, they, they made a, a big change where Mooney Ward was actually going to follow any receiver, and you saw that on Thanksgiving against D.K. Metcalf and again against D.K. Metcalf for a little while before he left that game. But the Amador Lenore being kicked inside, Embry Thomas, their other third-round pick from about two years ago, is now outside. Everything is being married right now on defense. When you add Chase Young to Nick Bosa, things get really easy, I think, on the back end. But the offense is always going to be the, the highlight, and Debo Samuel has been incredible, looking very much like his 2021 you know, uh, version, version, I would say. But I think the defense is, is right now an underrated aspect that nobody's really paying attention to right now because they look like that defense we thought it would be from the beginning of the year. Let's talk about the addition of Chase Young and what he's meant to this 49ers defense and opposite Nick Bosa. You know how hungry he is, but when you put those two guys coming after the quarterback, I, I mean, that it, it makes you kind of sit and scratch your head as to where defense is always supposed to travel. You mentioned how chicks dig the long ball and the offensive side of things, and you may struggle offensively, but during that three-game losing streak, the 49ers were kind of struggling defensively, something you wouldn't expect with Chase Young and Nick Bosa at the helm on the ends. Yeah, and I think right now what it was was a little bit of just kind of marrying it all together. You bring in Chase Young during the bye week to bring him in and add more, and you say, well, how much more do they need? They've already added Javon Hargrave, who was the number one free agent. You know, Eric Armstead was, was having himself a fine time, and Nick Bosa kind of was, I guess, People would say underwhelming after he signed his contract. I wouldn't. The pressures were there. So for me, when you look at the pressures and you see it, it's a levy that's about to break. And then out of the bye, Steve Wilkes has done so many creative things trying to confuse offensive lines. I mean, mugging Nick Bosa and Chase Young over the guard and center when you would normally think they're on the edge, it's just a nightmare because you weren't preparing for that at all. So when you have athletes that can win normally, 
with just talent, and then you're pairing it up with creativity and the back end is covering, that's what you're seeing from this defense right now. And they've been tested. They haven't. It's not like they haven't been tested. I mean, Seattle has D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jeeva, and Philadelphia, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and, you know, the 49ers, for all intents and purposes, both race both of them. Um, and that's kind of what you're seeing is right now the, the defense rounding into shape just in time for the stretch line. We're talking with Jason Aponte, again, from Niners Nation and Sprint Right Podcast is how you can tune in and, and see all the great things and the articles and the interviews that he has for the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey, he, he's just been that steady workhorse. But so far, wide receiver Ayuk has had his best and most productive season in the NFL thus far from a number standpoint you, you you can't take anything away from the job that he's been able to do no I mean back-to-back 1,000 yard seasons he has a contract coming up this is very much a young man that is rounding into shape and when you look at that draft class I mean listen to the names that are in this draft class with him CeeDee Lamb who's been absolutely incredible this year Justin Jefferson aside from the injuries has been probably one of the most productive the most productive wide receiver in the history of the game through his first four seasons you know t higgins and and brandon are you kind of just gets you know i guess lost in the sauce a little bit because those are some big names but yeah i, I mean the young man he went through his struggles with kyle shanahan in which kyle needed him to block better no block no rock and Brandon Ayuk came out of the out of the end on the back end uh, just better for it, and he you know you can watch Christian McCaffrey on the first run of the game, uh, which was 72 yards against the Seattle Seahawks. What you would notice if you weren't looking at him running through everybody is you notice Brandon Ayuk downfield blocking and and you know just doing everything that any team player would want. Brandon Ayuk is turning into a true professional on top of the fact of being the the team's best route runner in my opinion. Also, when you do look at the crash course that the 49ers are setting up right now, the two hottest teams in football are the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. And I know a lot of people that love old school, early 90s football, late 80s football, are very familiar with the National Football Conference Championship being between the Cowboys and the 49ers. With the way things are going right now, do you think we'll have an opportunity to possibly see that this postseason? I, I mean, everything's possible. I mean, this is going to be, I think, if I'm not mistaken, two of the last three years that they've actually met in the playoffs. The 49ers have eliminated them um, both times, and then they did play on Sunday Night Football, in which the 49ers really made a statement in that game. But I would, I would caution a little bit about Dallas, only because – We've seen Dallas year after year kind of beat up on teams that they're supposed to, which is not a knock in any way, right? Like, if you're doing what you're supposed to, you shouldn't take that down. But until they really show, I mean, they did beat the Philadelphia Eagles, but I would say right now the Philadelphia Eagles are a little bit in scramble mode um, trying to figure some things out. And their only other win against the team with a winning record was the Seattle Seahawks. So um, I have too much of a track record with the Dallas Cowboys and not beating the teams that they're supposed to for me to jump on board and just automatically say, uh-oh, here they come. I I've seen this movie too many times, I would say, Corey. Yeah, I think a lot of America's team fans have definitely seen this script too many times since the early 90s. But when you do go back and you look – at that absolute kicking of the can that the 49ers gave the Cowboys back at the beginning of October 
42 to 10. We had to wait for our Sunday night football, and that's exactly what we saw. The 49ers absolutely dominate the Cowboys. And then that's when all of a sudden you were looking for the 49ers to creep up on the Dolphins' perfect season possibly. And the next week, that's when the three-game losing streak comes. You lose to the Cleveland Browns. You lose to the Minnesota Vikings. You lose to the Cincinnati Bengals. And then all of a sudden, right back to 34-3 to winners over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it's been pretty much the 49ers handling business since then. Yeah, out of the bye week again, you add Chase Young, Steve Wilkes comes down from the booth to the sideline with, and makes defensive adjustments. I think what's kind of lost in those three games is that Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are not there. And while I think it's, it's such a, a great argument to say that Christian McCaffrey is the, the straw that like stirs the drink for the 49ers, Debo Samuel is the heartbeat of this football team. They go as he goes. And when he's not there, there's a little bit of edge that's missing. There's a physicality that's missing on top of the fact that Debo Samuel is one hell of a football player when he has the ball in his hands. In his last three games, he has over 300 receiving yards, six total touchdowns. Looks like a guy who at any moment can be your home run hitter. But this team, they go as Debo Samuel does. So getting him back, getting him back in the flow, you beat Jacksonville, who was a playoff team last season, and then you get back to winning your ways. It's a little bit of a physical edge, and it's a little bit of a, a swagger that Debo Samuel brings to this team. So I would say he's the heartbeat and the most important player on this team because they go as he does. Debo Samuel, that that young man, you know, he comes down to the Reese's Senior Bowl and absolutely puts on a, a tremendous display of his talent coming out of South Carolina. Basically, his his practice film leading up to the game, that's where you could leave it. You, he, he didn't even have to participate in the game to see Debo Samuel just absolutely embarrass people. So what a tremendous draft pick there by the 49ers in evaluating that talent, knowing the way that he could fit into the 49ers system. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Shanahan, he went down there um, for that senior bowl, and he got a really good look at him. And, you know, there was a lot of great players there, too. You know, Debo Samuel gets drafted. Terry McLaurin, who I was very high on as well, um, ends up in Washington. And you just you, – you look at what Debo does. It It is such a benefit to have someone who you can literally – either hand the football off to or throw throw the ball to, and he can be a home run hitter. You know, credit to the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan for being able to utilize that skill set to the point that now this is such a copycat league that every single team now is kind of looking for their version of Debo. But I've got bad news. There's just one Debo Samuel. I agree with you there. And for our local listeners here with the South Alabama Jaguar flavor, earlier in the year, a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact, or a few weeks ago, you text me and said, Corey, Darrell Luter Jr., back in uniform for the San Francisco 49ers. I couldn't be happier for him once you sent me that message. But Darrell, getting back into the action of things, has played in three games, two total tackles. But it's good to see Darrell Luter Jr. back in action for the 49ers after coming off that injury. 100%. And, and I think you, you asked me before, Corey, you know, before, like, I think it was like two appearances before whether this would be a redshirt year. Kind of maybe felt like that, but, you know, it, it's great to see him get back out there contributing on special teams. Um, the good thing about this team and the culture is, is you know, obviously Darrell Luter is being brought here, I think, to be the next cornerback for this team, right, on the outside. But as of right now, there's no spot for that because you do have three guys that are playing very good football at this point. But 
you have to contribute somewhere, right? So when your number's called, what do you do? And I think that's what Darrell Luter has shown in practice. I think the team shows a lot of uh, a lot of trust in him and, and a lot of confidence in him and what they think he can do. But it's a credit to the young man for fighting through the injury. When his number's called, no matter what it is that they want him to do, he's been contributing. I think he did miss last week uh, just with an injury, but he, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's back in practice. So it's good to have, um, especially with depth, and, and we're getting to the stretch run, especially with injuries. And I, I believe Mooney Ward is in danger of missing um, Sunday's game against the Arizona Cardinals. So if Darrell Luter's there, you know, and, and, you know, God forbid something else happens, he might be pressing the duty. So it's good that he's preparing himself and keeping himself ready to go. Um, I think that's an underrated aspect of his game. Jason, how can people follow all of your tremendous coverage of the Sprint Right Option podcast along with Niners Nation? Um, it, you know, NinersNation.com is exactly where you guys can go. If you guys want to subscribe to the Sprint Right Option podcast, you can. Any way that you get your audio podcast. Um, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, just search Jason Aponte. should come up, Jason Aponte 49ers. That's where I'll be live streaming. I have a show a little bit later today in about an hour on there where we'll be discussing Cam Newton's uh, thoughts on uh, on what a game manager is, and that includes Brock Purdy and everything else 49ers. But uh, appreciate you, Corey. Appreciate you, Nick, for having me on. Absolutely. We look forward to talking to you during this stretch run for the 49ers as they try to establish supremacy in the NFC and in the NFL as well. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Jason Aponte, Niners Nation, Sprint Right Option podcast. The 49ers, what do you folks think? I think they're the number one ranked NFL power rankings team right now, Nick. Yeah, you can't. You can't put anyone over them because, I mean, you would maybe think Dallas, but no, you look back, oh, they beat them like 40-15. So yes, it absolutely. Has, it has to be uh, San Francisco. No one else is playing at their level and more consistent. Win healthy. Absolutely. Love to catch up with Jason Aponte and encourage you to follow him as well. The final drive will wrap up our number one right after this. Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive, and man, having a little discussion in the app, I'm trying to defend my guy Draymond. Can't do it. Can't do it. Well, look, I can understand not liking Draymond. I can totally understand that. But you can't discredit him as a player, his legacy, and, you know, what he means to the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors aren't winning 73 games if Draymond is not on that team. They're not winning all the championships that they have if Draymond is not on that team. You know, Kevin Durant, he came and went. Draymond, he's been there the whole time. Iggy, he came and went. Draymond, been there the whole time. I get that he can be dirty. Yeah, he's definitely dirty. He caught my man with an elbow. I don't think he meant to. It needed. He meant it to be as hard as it was. He was ripping his arm away. I think he was expecting. He was trying to draw a foul, and and have Nurkic kind of holding his arms down, and he just kind of flailed a little bit. Look, that's kind of what you do in the NBA. You gotta. You got to sell it. And sell it. my guy just, he just uh, didn't calibrate it right, I don't think. Yeah, I tell you what's going to be calibrated right 
is the commissioner's number of games he's going to suspend him. You say it should be single digit. It's definitely a double digit suspension. I mean, but my it's man, not like they were. It's not like Draymond was like, "Let's fight." It's not like his teammates were like, "Hold him back." They had to hold him hey, back. He didn't say he that pulled, when he choked he out Rudy away, Gobert he either. Spun around, and that's what happened. No, I mean, it, come on. Sometimes, if you've played basketball, you've gotten hit, you know, in the head. Digits. So, double digits. I think he needs to be punished, but it wasn't malicious. Very malicious. I know people think it is because of his history, but I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Okay, he's definitely going to get a 10 or more game suspension. He's going to be put on notice. He's hurting the Golden State Warriors' chances. Clay Thompson is, too. He's not he shooting the sucks. ball well. Now. He's not shooting the ball well. He'll turn it on in the second half. But we'll turn on George Teague. Yes, sir. Alabama Sports Hall of Famer. National champion for the Crimson Tide. Giving us Teague's take. Not only on the red-hot Dallas Cowboys, but also on the Alabama Crimson Tide preparing for the Michigan Wolverines. George Teague up next here on The Final Drive. The Sound of Mobile presents For the win! The Final Drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh. man is George Teague, Alabama Sports Hall of Famer, 1992 National Championship member of the Alabama Crimson Tide. He joins us every Wednesday here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. George, how's everything going, my man? That is a great day. It's a little bit chilly out here in Dallas right now, but, you know, Alabama always keeps it hot. The Cowboys keeping it hot. The final drive, we keep it hot. So let's keep it hot, baby. <laughs> no hot. doubt about it, George. And we'll jump right on in. And I think that when you look at this Alabama versus Michigan matchup, and I know that anytime you give Coach Saban an opportunity to, to be called an underdog the way that he was against Georgia in the SEC championship game, even though the line is shrinking a little bit in Vegas, Alabama still is that underdog. And I don't know if it's going to change up until kickoff, but, you know, sometimes when you have the nations and the country's all-time winningest programs, number one being Michigan, number two being Alabama, you really couldn't ask for a better college football matchup, which will probably be, be the most watched college football game of all time. Yeah, this is very favorable. The people in Vegas setting those lines, they should have just made it even right at the beginning <laughs> if they didn't want to do something. That, that's a Maybe they are giving us a advantage by putting us as underdogs. And as you said, given, you know, almost a month, I guess, to, to prepare what Nick Saban does in that amount of time is unbelievable. The amount of film they're going to watch, the hours the coaches are going to put in, what they're going to teach the kids is going to give us a huge advantage, I believe, just because of how he is and how he can dissect, dissect film. So, um, 
I think it's positive for us that we got this much time, and then hopefully we can get to the second round. And for those who are listening and can think back to 1992 National Championship team and, and the game that Alabama played against Miami, we give you a short, brief version of Teague's Take here every Wednesday on the final drive. But you can always go to Teague's Take on the YouTube channel on Wednesday nights and check it out. You had a very special guest on your show last week. Somebody that I call you hawked down and, and and really embarrassed in the national championship game down in New Orleans. Lamar Thomas, let our listeners know who didn't get a chance to, to click on your YouTube channel and check out Teague's Take. Man, how did Lamar Thomas handle with some of the questions that you asked him last week on the show? <laughs> you know, for anybody to miss it, you really do need to go to our page, Teague's Take Podcast on YouTube. You'll find the bonus episode that happened last week um, with Lamar Thomas, the infamous wide receiver uh, that I chased down in the National Championship game. And, you know, I, I'll give it to him. He was a very good sport, you know. And what I really wanted to talk to him about, guys, was really what he thought about FSU not getting into the playoffs. You know, he's a Miami guy, so I wanted to hear his take on, on what that was. But uh, I don't want to spoil this, but he, he made a very, very funny comment uh, at the end of the of the show. You need to see it. Well, basically, he hung up on me and my son <laughs> and said he had enough. Uh, I guess and it, it was it was hilarious. Uh, we couldn't stop laughing because we weren't anticipating that he happened to see his picture up on my wall behind me. Finally, and he took a little offense to that and decided he needed to get off the call. So <laughs> you need to check it out. Yeah, Absolutely, <laughs> for for all those that that love college football in general and are college football historians, whether you're an Alabama fan, Auburn fan, Miami fan, it doesn't matter. When you get a chance to to see Lamar Thomas's reaction to seeing his face and his picture and portrait behind George Teague as they were on Teague's Take, I encourage you, go back and click on Teague's Take. It's on the YouTube channel. You don't want to miss that. And anytime you have father and son together, that's always a great dynamic in and of itself. And last week I was in Bryant-Denny Stadium at the Super 7 and got a chance to see Bo Nix watches his dad, Patrick Nix, win the 7A state championship at Central Phoenix City. So that father-son dynamic is always great in football and any sport. But it was absolutely classic for him to, to hang up that phone. So I encourage you guys to go back and check out Teague's take on the YouTube channel because it's, it's a great interview that George and his son had with Lamar Thomas. And, and you can go back and find wonderful breakdown of, of not only Alabama clips, but from the SEC championship, from the Iron Bowl, and when I was able to join you as well. All that is archived on Teague's take on YouTube, so you don't want to miss that. And we, we're building up to Alabama playing Michigan in the national championship, and we mentioned the fact that you won the first division championship at Alabama, and Alabama won the last division championship. So it's fitting that the Crimson Tide finish on top. But 
you know, when you look at your Cowboys, you talked about that at the beginning of it. The Cowboys are red hot, too. And C.D. Lamb has been catching the football. Dak Prescott has been playing MVP. If he can hold on to this pace, do you think Dak Prescott, over the next four or five weeks, can propel himself to MVP status in the National Football League? Yeah, and I don't even know if it actually take that long. I think this game for Dak Prescott on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills is going to say a lot. He's going to have a, a big test against a very good defense. Um, and, you know, he's going to have to be a leader uh, for the team out there. I know that sounds so cliche-ish, but um, it is. In games like this where you got the Buffalo Bills are going to be extremely hungry, they have this is almost a must-win game for them up at their place. And we hadn't done this. We won, you know, both the two games where we said we need to beat someone who had a winning record, Seattle and the Eagles were both at home. So now we need to show that we can beat somebody on the road. Um, that's good. <laughs> you know, so I think if he can pull this out in good fashion, um, it will start to put him in serious conversation of being a, an MVP uh, for the league this year. Yeah, even though the Bills' record doesn't say it, I do think that they're probably your toughest opponent uh, left in the regular season. The Dolphins, of, man. Don't no, forget the Dolphins. I, I, I think Buffalo yeah. is going to be a tougher game for Dallas than Miami. Uh, Buffalo, I mean, they just came off that win against the Chiefs. They got a chip on their shoulder. Um, I mean, what do you think about that? You think Miami's going to be a tougher game for y'all than Buffalo or, or even Detroit maybe? Triple G, you 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 never fail to surprise me. Come on, man, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, uh, Yachain, Mostert, Tua. Yes. Name, name five of them like that on the Buffalo Bills team. Stephon Diggs. Next. Josh Allen. Next. Two. James Cook. Next. Three. Gabe Davis. <laughs> now, now you stretch it. Now you stretch it. Because <laughs> now you're going to say Don Kincaid next, right? Oh, what about the, the cold weather? The cold weather in December? They have that going for them. 45 degrees supposed to be. I and I believe. feel like the Bills fans, no. I think that their home uh, field is a little tougher to play in than uh, – down there in Miami, personally. I think the Bills fans, they got a reputation for being intense. So I don't think it'll be That's easy true. for Dallas to go up in there. So let me tell you why I really feel that, all jokes aside. Um, why I would be more afraid of – well, I, I'm not saying that I think Buffalo is going to be a cakewalk because what bothers me about the Bills that I think we would have trouble with is Josh Allen and his legs. I think that we can scheme up well enough that you can control, and we've shown that, right? You had uh, Devontae uh, Smith and A.J. Brown, where they really didn't have much going on. A lot of people that have had multiple receivers, when they've been able to shut down both of them. So I think we can do that again. What we always seem to have our problems when you've got a mobile quarterback who can run. And I think Josh Allen is going to try to use his legs just as much as possible. You know, which may hurt him when you got the lion chasing after you. But I still think that he's going to throw some that we're going to intercept. I, I don't know how many games he's gone straight with throwing an interception, but that might not be good because if he throws a bland and he takes it back for a pick six, you can you can write the check right about that. Okay. What bothers me about the um, 
Dolphins is because they do have a pretty good running game. Now, we've done well at shutting that down, too, but there's a 200 monster with them, and the way that they extend their running game, quick slants, bubbles outside, you know, you can't miss a tackle on Tyreek Hill. I don't know what really happened to him this last game while they kept him on the sideline. Um, but those guys, now I'm speaking to you as a defender, that guy, you know if you miss him, it's like missing Barry Sanders. He's going to the house. You you can't do that. And then he can run past you, go deep. It doesn't matter where you throw the ball to. And so when you got a guy like that, who should be in the talks for MVP as well because they looked totally different when he wasn't playing the game. Um, that's very concerning on how do you defend him, not let Waddle get loose, not let the running backs get loose um, with Tua. Definitely a whole different ball game with the Miami Dolphins for sure. And even though it'll be played on a, a fast track down in Miami, I, I think that the Cowboys, is it really a situation that you feel, George, this year that it's Super Bowl or bust? Because if the Cowboys had sputtered or had been sputtering and really haven't done so since that loss to the 49ers, and you, you look at the situation now moving forward with the games that they have remaining on their schedule, do they sputter down the stretch? And even if they do, do they find a way to get it in gear for the playoffs? Do you find it Super Bowl or bust for their head coach and this Dak Prescott regime? No, I don't, actually. I, I take it as NFC championship or bust. Okay. Um, and I'm saying this for – I think there's some realistic pieces about it. Not saying we're not better than the 49ers, but when you had a coach that got rid of your offensive coordinator, starting to make the play calls, you were getting a little bit better every single time. I think it would be a disappointment, particularly how we're playing now and trying to – you know, how we're matching up in the NFC um, side of things. We should be good enough, um, as Triple G was – talking about the Detroit Lions are kind of slipping a little bit. Don't seem like they're playing quite as well. Jared Goff's tripping. So we should be able to hopefully beat some of these guys, even we've proven that we can beat the Eagles. So you should do that and get yourself in position to where if you have to run into San Francisco in the NFC Championship, at least you're there. You don't want to lose to them three years in a row. But at least you're there, and if you can figure out how to beat them, get to the Super Bowl. That's that's a you know that's a win. That that puts Mike McCarthy in Coach of the Year type of stuff. And in my mind, that happens. Yeah, I, I think I'll get no argument out of you from Coach of the Year. So many people are, have just been waiting for the Cowboys to really implode. When are we really going to see the Dallas Cowboys show up? And we've already seen them one time, and and they got embarrassed earlier in the season back at the beginning of October to the 49ers. But since then, I mean, you look at the way that they have been able to defeat the Eagles. I mean, lose to the Eagles in, in a small manner and then turn around and redeem that loss by close to five points, dominate the Eagles by 20 points and take care of their home field. And the way that they were able to dismantle the commanders, I, I think that you are setting up for a fantastic finish there within their own division and possibly go ahead and reinvigorate and 
rekindle that fire to where a lot of old heads love 49ers versus Cowboys for the NFC Championship. Can I, can I ask Triple G about that, what he thought about that win? Was that convincing enough for him to say that the Cowboys are at least a little bit better when they beat the Eagles that way they did? Or Look, how I've, do you I've feel been, about that? I've been, I think Dallas is the second best team in the NFL right now. Uh, I, I think you have to give the edge to the Niners, but I think Dallas is looking good. I'm okay. impressed. I like it. Mark that spot there, right there, Corey. Please <laughs> send that to me uh, later on because I, you know, I'm a agreeing. I think we, I think they've kind of got over the hump a little bit. Uh, I know they're still all of us, but our Cowboy fans are saying, "Man, when is the letdown going to be?" Right? We get so excited, we start talking too much trash, and then there's the letdown. I, I'm not really sure about that anymore being as close as i am to the organization now the the attitude just seems a little bit different with the guys i don't think they're taking anything for granted i think that the the arizona cardinals game hurt them but i think when they lost to the 49ers and the you know the way that they did to um that that wasn't that left it like okay, we got to have a little bit of self evaluation here, and I think they really, really buckled down. The coaches, the the players, shoot everybody, <laughs> you know, the staff, and I do, you know, shooting their little shows over there for Cowboys flashback. I get to see them and how they're reacting, and it just it's all business. It's not really much of play, or you you know, you don't see in a whole lot of stuff that's going. Okay, these guys aren't focused. Um, because they are, um, and I think they're playing for each other in a way that they're saying, okay, this, this has to be our year to at least make a statement. Absolutely, and making the statement or the 49ers having a chance to play the Cowboys 325, making a statement or the Cowboys, the two teams right now in the NFL power rankings that are one and two, the Cowboys and the Bills at 325 this coming Sunday, and I know you always have your Teague's take coming up here on Wednesdays. You always break down the Cowboys games going in. So let our listeners know where they not only can go back and view the wonderful Teague's take with Lamar Thomas in, in that classic interview and an all-time favorite of mine for sure now, and then going back and watching and listening to you break down the Dallas Cowboys as they prepare for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, so if you want to watch it, you do need to go to Teague's Take Podcast on YouTube. You're going to watch it, all of them, from four years ago. That's really, really good with a lot of different guests, a lot of different people, a lot of different topics. Um, so I encourage you to go there, particularly if you want to go see me talking to Lamar Thomas. That was excellent. If you like film breakdown, go to the same place. We're breaking down Alabama film. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be if you like Alabama or not. It's really that you want to learn about football because we're talking about traps and counters and how to defend somebody and how to run a play and how you play man. And we actually use film to, uh, to be able to show that. If you don't want the video, just go to teagstake.com. You can listen to it, um, download the video you know or the audio and just listen to it while you're at the gym um as well that's pretty easy to do you can follow me on t at teague football on uh twitter <laughs> i don't know if you guys saw this i'm sorry i know i need to be getting out of here but 
there is a guy on Twitter that looks just like me that was fighting at this past game against an Eagles fan. <laughs> it was so scary. Someone sent it to me. If you don't have it, I'll share it to you. Yes, and I kept share. getting these tweets. Is that you? Is that Teague football? And I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, my God. You know, I had to, like, look at my phone, like, really close. I was like, dude, that looks just like me. He's got the salt and pepper hair, you know, this kind of stuff. And all I, I just started replying back to people and saying, hey, man, fight wouldn't have lasted that long if it was me because uh, he was taking a long time to beat that dude's butt. So. <laughs> well, we're, we're glad to know that the only fighting you had to, to do was knocking the hell out of Terrell Owens on the star and, you know, fighting Lamar Thomas for that football in the national championship game back in New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl. And, Again, if people missed your iconic and epic reaction a couple of Sundays ago to Alabama getting in to the college football playoffs, they also need to check that out on X and Twitter because George gave an all-time Alabama Crimson Tide relief expression of his <laughs> happiness for the Crimson Tide having a chance to get in. So if you missed that, check that out on George Teague's X as well and George, once again, let our listeners know how they can follow your great Teague's Take tonight with your son. Yeah, come on to Teague's Take podcast on YouTube tonight, 8.15 p.m. Central Time, 9.15 Eastern Time. You know, uh, we're going to talk about bowl picks tonight, and I would like to get you guys' idea. The top, one of the topics we're going to talk about tonight is what are the five worst names for bowl games? If you looked at the names of these doggone bowl games, <laughs> which one, which one are you saying? And I need you to rank them. You know, five, four, three, two, one. Which one of them are, are kind of crazy? So we want to be able to talk about that. It'll be a fun show. And then afterwards, the second half, we're going to go back and actually break down some additional Auburn film. Um, against Alabama. So if you want to catch some of that too, some more uh, film room stuff, come check us out tonight, 815 Teague Take Podcast on YouTube. George, always appreciate you, my brother, and look forward to talking to you again next Wednesday. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. Final drive. Let's go. You got it. George Teague always coming off the top rope, giving us Teague's take. And like I say, Listeners, if you have not had a chance to go back and watch that iconic moment to where Lamar Thomas, the wide receiver who George Teague stripped the ball from in the national championship game, hang up on George and his son. And the reason he hung up on George and his son, you got to see what led up to that. I got to find great that fight video, too. Yeah, and, and yes, we're going to check out the fight video as well. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corley Bounty and Nick Wiggins will be right back. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corley Bounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you and coming up at 5 o'clock we have our Senior Bowl show with Jim Nagy. We'll have defensive tackle for the Clemson Tigers, Tyler Davis, joining us, accepting his invite. And we'll talk to him about it, what it means to play for Dabo Sweeney and how they plan to bounce back in the bowl game, along with what it's meant to get his Senior Bowl invite. You don't want to miss that Senior Bowl show coming up at 5 o'clock. 
And again, we'll have Jim Nagy and defensive tackle for the Clemson Tigers, Tyler Davis, to join us. And someone in the app says, if y'all are going to have any integrity, then don't throw shade at UCF for claiming a fake national title. And minutes later, call Alabama playing Michigan as for the national championship. They're playing in a made-for-TV invitational. Well, last time I checked, I the don't Alabama have any Crimson integrity. Tide, huh? Nothing. nothing. The Alabama <laughs> Crimson Tide defeated the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs, right. the back-to-back national champions in the SEC championship. And Central Florida, you know, did they play in the national championship game? They did not, no. They went undefeated, but I wonder why Correct. they didn't play in the national championship game. Uh, because did, there did, were four teams better and more deserving. Did, did they did they beat the number one ranked team in the country? No, they did not. Oh, okay, okay. Well, are eyeballs going to be on Central Florida playing whomever in the college football playoffs? Uh, would would eyes be on Central Florida? Yeah. Um, Central Florida eyes and fans. Oh, okay. Just that small margin. Of the country. So, again, I mean, listen, if you want to call and talk about it, our phone lines are wide open. 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us. 251-694-1055. I I wonder, like, I feel like around here, you know, the vibe is that Florida State, they're crybabies, you know, get over it. But we're also here in this Alabama Crimson Tide market. I wonder what just other parts of the world are, are thinking. Um, you know, are we just in an echo chamber where we all think, oh, Alabama won, they got in, Florida State, you know, too bad. I mean, you got left out, it sucks, but you did get left out, nothing you can do about it. I wonder if, like, in California or Indiana, how how are they feeling about this whole scenario between Alabama and Florida State being a little more removed uh, from it? Gonna gonna watch it. Gonna eyeball it. Anytime you have nations winning this program and the second winning this program of all time in college football, it's the equivalent of what you see with Duke and North Carolina in basketball. Whether you're an ACC fan or not, yes, look at what part of the country Duke and North Carolina play basketball. But do people in California, are they going to tune in to watch that game, whether it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon or whether it's 7 o'clock tip-off or 2.30, are they going to tune in and watch it? Absolutely they are because it's one of those iconic moments in sports history to where you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss Duke and North Carolina. More eyeballs are on Duke and North Carolina, even when one or the other have losing records than it is on any other game that's played throughout the entire country, throughout the entire year. So, yes, name markability and name brand means absolutely everything, everything to the college football playoff world. I just know, like, around here we're really happy. Obviously, and we could have easily been got really sad. Out. But I wonder how, like, just the rest of America feels. It doesn't have any vying interest. Could have could have been really sad, but there, are, there's going to be. Are they upset that w- that Alabama got in? You think, or upset do you think that Alabama got in? Or for do you the think rest ma- of the nation? Majority, yeah, the majority of the nation. Are they happy, or is the majority of the nation like, man, they really, 
Oh, they sure do love showing that SEC bias and well, screwing at the over end of the day, State. At the end of the day, it was bound to happen when you have a four-team college football playoff that you were going to have. And I'm surprised it had and did not happen up until this year to where you were going to have the gripe for the fifth, sixth, and seventh, or eighth team still being undefeated, and you still only have those four spots. So do I think the rest of the nation is salty about it? No, I don't. I really don't. I think when you look at the general sensibility of not only eyeballs, but of quality football, the way that Alabama played against Georgia and LSU and against Texas, even though that was a loss for the Crimson Tide, people in California still watched that game and had great interest in it. It was still one of the most watched games of the college football season. So, yes. All eyeballs are definitely going to be on the college football semifinals. And Alabama-Michigan is a great draw. You're listening to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBound and Nick Wiggins will be right back. Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff. And you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this hump day, Wednesday afternoon. And the phone lines are wide open for you. 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us. 251-694-1055. Or you can reach us in the app. And people say Californians don't watch college football and don't care about it. It was in a sports bar in Santa Barbara when SC and Notre Dame were playing. Not a soul. There were more Auburn fans there to watch them play Mississippi State. Well, Southern Cal definitely hasn't been relevant in a long time. I mean, they lost to Tulane last year in the Cotton Bowl, and that was against a great Tulane team. And they, even though they had the Heisman Trophy winner, there has not been a Reggie Bush error for Southern Cal in a while. And I, I think that Every program goes through stages and phases because for the 17 years that Nick Saban has sustained the dynasty that he's built at Alabama, all Alabama fans remember having to wait since 1992 and George Teague in the Crimson Tide before you get back to the college pinnacle. And same thing that's going on with Nebraska, same thing that's going on with Notre Dame. It's hard to make it back and stay atop of the college football world year in and year out. And it's just getting harder with the parity in college football with the transfer portal and also NIL. And, you know, speaking of name, image, and likeness, I know if Kadarius Toney would have had an opportunity to have name, image, and likeness in college at Georgia or in high school, for that matter, here at Blunt High School, he would have been a paid young man. But... I love Chad Ochocinco. I I, I know is he's it a Chad Ochocinco still, or is it back to Johnson? Yeah, you could go Ochocinco, Chad okay. Johnson, Ochocinco. Either one, he'll answer to it. I guarantee. If you say Chad Johnson, or if you say Ochocinco, he's going to answer to both of those. But he he hosts every single week a recap of the week in the NFL. And I know that he chimed in on Kadarius Tony being a fellow wide receiver. I'd ask you about Kadarius Tony. That play is. I love him. I love him to death. 
I love the depth. It's, we all make mistakes. Obviously, a mistake of this magnitude is, is, is magnified because of the circumstance and the way the game ended and it being called back. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, as far as for Kadarius, I, I love him to death. And you just have to, to in that moment, you got you. And when you look at the ref, and he checked with the ref, a lot of people haven't even seen it. You know, we've I've seen different angles of it. He checked with the ref, but you have to keep the eye line. Keep the eye line with the referee until he lets you know to either back up or, or stay forward. And that's that's the one issue he didn't do. He did check. He did check. I'm not sure if there if, if there's a way that you guys can see the other angles of it. It just when he checked. He looked at him, pointed, but didn't wait for confirmation from the referee so the referee could tell him, listen, we need you to back up a little bit. If if he if it's split, if the split was out wide, you know, you could hear the ref really easy. You know, he would be able to say, Kadarius, back up. But the split was tight. He was condensed in a in a in a in a condensed formation. So there's no way the ref can scream. The ref ain't gonna scream to you. You got to keep the eye contact with the ref until he lets you know, you know, you're okay. So it was unfortunate and it's it's, it's a mistake that that you know Kadarius can fix. And um, I think he'll be okay. Great wisdom there by Ocho Cinco. Talking about Kadarius, Tony lining off uh, all sides in the Chiefs versus Bills that, that took away from really the all-time epic finish that we would have witnessed in regular season football play, Nick. Yeah, that would have been an amazing play. Patrick Mahomes even said that that, hurts Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame career and that now when they show all his greatest plays they've taken away one of the best ones that he's ever had and I, and I actually uh, heard Travis Kelsey talking to Jason on their show today about that and he said it wasn't planned and he just saw Kadarius over there and just thought you know I think I can probably get this over there to him and he just threw it I mean it was it was a good throw a pretty long throw too but Unfortunately, it doesn't count, but Travis Kelsey said they were all in a good mood. They all stick up for one another, and that he just told Kadarius, hey, man, we're just going to have to do it again. And it very well may be done again in a different format or fashion. And earlier we were talking about the NFL Power Five. And, Nick, you, you agree with me in regards to the San Francisco 49ers being the best team in the NFL right now. Yep. You said the Cowboys – come up second who is third fourth and fifth in the nfl power rankings baltimore's my three um for four i would probably still have to go with the eagles um i mean they're they've really only lost to I mean, they had the one weird loss to the Jets, and then they've got two blowouts to the two best teams. Um, I think that's something that they can figure out, and I think they'll end up being okay. But I would say Philly, and then that final spot, it's, it's, a, it's a coin toss for me between Miami and Kansas City. No coin toss for me. I just feel like Kansas City is just, they're going to figure it out. I think they're going to figure it out. I think that they are truly one weapon away offensively, whether that be a dynamic pro bowler from the running back position, especially wide I mean, look, receiver. Look, this Dolphins team just lost to the Titans. Listen, the NFL season, there's no elite teams, Nick. You see the freaking Jets beat the Texans. You see the Cardinals 
beat up on people. They have no reason to beat. So we've seen the worst teams in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers have found them at least one victim this year in the Texans. NFL. Yep. So, I mean, so to sit there and say, well, you know, I no. Well, look, they, I mean, look, these Dolphins, they just lost to the Titans. Now they're going to have to play the Jets again, who they just beat 34-13. But then you're, playing, then you're playing the Cowboys, then the Ravens, then the Bills. They could finish the season 0-3. Tough schedule. Tough slating for the Miami Dolphins, without question. And, and you know how Tyreek much I, Hills, I do love. He's got a hurt ankle now. I don't know, man. Hey, I don't man, know. listen, he checked himself back in the game. Starting so, center, torn ACL Now, that Miami. is critical. That is critical when you start looking at the Miami Dolphins making a Super Bowl push because what had to happen for Tua Tungabailoa, you're going to have those bad games. And you haven't seen the Dolphins self-destruct until the other day, until the other night. And you, you see what we're looking at in the NFL right now. You and I talked about this on yesterday. 12 out of 30 teams in the NFL have the same quarterback who started in week one, continuing to start here going in to week 14. So that's, that's something that's a crazy stat. When you start looking at well, did the you health. see who the uh, AFC and NFC players of the week were? And two guys, week? <laughs> you have one. It, it's it's up to you, New York, New York, to come through for AFC and NFC players of the week because one belonged to the Giants and the other one belonged to the Jets. That's right, and Zach Wilson and Tommy DeVito, two guys who I think people probably wouldn't have been too surprised if. You know, something came out that said they were, like, even off a roster at this point. But shout-out to DeVito and shout-out to Zach Wilson for stepping up. And, I, honestly, that game against the Texans might have been Zach Wilson's best game he's ever played as a pro. Well, again, he shows you flashes of, to me, why he is and could be a quality continued backup in the NFL. And Aaron Rodgers, we all know, blowing out that Achilles in – really the first play for the Jets, we expected Zach to be a backup this year. And he doesn't want to be a starter in the National Football League, if you ask me. DeVito, on the other hand, you he wants to go ahead and not be that career journeyman. And I think that when you look at those two being the most valuable players of last week's NFL from a quarterback or offensive position, kudos to both of them. Because that's something that you don't write on a Hollywood script. That's something that gamblers just could not see happening. And to be in the largest city in the world in New York, and you have an opportunity here to have two backup quarterbacks, one a third-string quarterback, to lead your team to a victory, man, that, that's great stuff. Yeah, so far, so Tommy DeVito has led the New York Giants to winning three games in a row. Daniel Jones, Tommy DeVito, they've both played six games. Daniel Jones in those six games was thrown for 150 yards a game. He's, he threw two touchdowns in six games and th six interceptions. Tommy DeVito has thrown eight touchdowns and only three interceptions for just about the same amount of yardage. And look, they just paid Daniel Jones all that money, right? And he's getting outplayed at this point by uh, – Tommy DeVito.
So I don't even. I mean, a rookie out of Illinois. I don't think anyone even knew who this guy was until uh, you know his agent was on TV and the family making all the chicken parms in the parking lot. But good for him. Not good for the Giants organization because. I mean, what are you doing with Daniel Jones now? Well, you're going to let him rehab, and you're going to let him earn his bag next season moving forward when he, when he recuperates, just like you're going to do the same thing with Joe Burrow, just like the same thing you're going to do with Justin Herbert. Because yeah, but those two guys are different than a Daniel Jones. How so? All of them are getting paid, bro. Come on, all Corey. Of them are getting paid. Listen to yourself. Justin all, Herbert. Are all of them getting paid, Nick? Yeah. Are all of them getting a huge bag? Yeah, a, but I'm talking about large bag. think about how Cincinnati feels and how the Chargers feel about their quarterback situation moving forward. The Giants feel different. No, they don't. They what? signed him, didn't they? Didn't they, they sign him? They're not confident in the guy. Didn't they sign him? Yeah, that don't okay, mean they feel so good about Nick, it now. Am I going to sign you to a multi-million dollar contract if I don't have confidence in you? Oh, okay. Yeah, you could, but then what if I No, you could, but you wouldn't, Nick. Look, you, you're not going to do it. You're telling me that the Giants are happy that they gave Daniel Jones that big contract. They're thrilled because they did it. No way. Who, who, who held no a gun way. to their head and made them do it? Who Daniel did that? Jones' agent, I bet. No, absolutely not. No, they no didn't way, dangle man. meat in front of the Giants and say, hey, sign, sign my client or else he's going to take his talents elsewhere. The Giants knew that what they were what getting. That is what it was. They had to pay him. Or he was leaving, and they didn't want him to leave. But now, seeing how horrible he played at the beginning of this year and how good this random kid, Tommy DeVito, is playing, you got to be thinking, damn, we could have saved some money. No, the Nick, same way that the, Nick, you think the Saints are happy Nick, with Derek Carr? Nick, Nick Corey, cut it out, bro. Use that same log logic. Cut it out. Are the Saints happy with Derek Carr? They Did paid they him sign all him? Did they sign him? And Did they, they go out it. and actively get him? Yes. Did anybody make them do that? No. So, therefore, they are no. thrilled. They you are can thrilled. go to a car dealership, Corey, they and are drop thrilled. you know, 40K on a car, and if it breaks down in three months and starts giving you hell, you're not happy about that purchase, even though you made the purchase. You signed the dotted line knowing that there was no it. return. You weren't going to get, regardless of what it does, as soon as it leaves the lot, as soon as that pen hit the paper, you were done. That check's going to clear regardless. No, nah, you're immediately on Facebook Marketplace trying to pass that thing off to someone else and start fresh, Ain't which is the same bro. thing New York needs to look to do. Who would take Daniel Jones off our hands? Do I we like roll Daniel with DeVito? Jones. Do we draft a guy? Daniel Jones over DeVito all day long, or DeVito would have already been the man. Numbers never lie. Numbers never lie. Hey, they started Bledsoe over Brady. They started Bledsoe over Brady. Neither do injuries. Why is Bledsoe... Ahead of Brady. Why did Brady get his shine on? Because of injuries. Right. That's there why Tommy's it. here. And they never went back to Bledsoe. They went like, hey, we signed him. We got to get rid of this Brady guy. Yeah, well, I tell you what, injuries are a part of the game, but so is that bag that these quarterbacks have received. That's I like true. Daniel Jones. Nothing wrong with DeVito either. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins. Coming up next, the Senior Bowl show with Executive Director Jim Nagy and defensive 
tackle for the Clemson Tigers. Tyler Davis will be jumping on with us as he's accepted his invite to come to Mobile, Alabama. And want to thank our great guest today, Jason Aponte for Niners Nation. And he is also with the Sprint Right Option podcast if you want to hear more about the 49ers. Also, George Teague, former Alabama sports Hall of Famer and national champion, former national champion with the Crimson Tide joining us as well. And Nick, man, we've kind of wrapped up and talked a little bit today about Draymond Green and his yeah. antics in the NBA. We've I talked like Draymond. People hate on Draymond. People hate on Russell Westbrook. People hate on James Harden. These are my guys, and I would defend them like Draymond uh, mercilessly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all hate. We, we also have a judge issuing a temporary restraining order to the NCAA allowing those student athletes to get a second transfer, a second time transfer, and allowing them to play immediately, which is something that didn't happen in the case of North Carolina wide receiver. And Florida's like Attorney General Ashley Moody, she's launched an antitrust investigation into Florida State's exclusion from the college football playoffs. Waste of resources. Absolutely. Alabama, Georgia, 6.30 p.m. on September 28th. The Reveal Show coming up on SEC Network, 6 o'clock p.m. So you can check that out after the final drive. But coming up next, we have the Chavez Furnitures. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl Show presented by DK Suit Discounters with Executive Director Jim Nagy. Coming up next here on WNSP 105.5. This is the sound of Mobile, and you're listening to Chavis Furniture's The Draft Starts Here Reese's Senior Bowl Show, presented by DNK Suit Discounters. Stay tuned for the next hour and stay up to date with Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy as the Reese's Senior Bowl celebrates 75 years of bringing the best NFL draft prospects to the Port City. Welcome in to the Chavez Furniture's The Draft Starts Here, Reese's Senior Bowl Show, presented by DK Suit Discounters, Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins. And we have special guest Tyler Davis joining us, defensive tackle from Clemson, along with the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. How's everything going today, Jim? Everything's good, and it's better that we got Tyler on the phone. Absolutely. And Tyler, welcome into the Chavis Furniture's The Draft Starts Here, Reese's Senior Bowl Show, presented by DK Suit Discounters. Want to thank you and give you an early welcome into Mobile, Alabama, and congratulations on accepting your invite and being one of the most premier defensive tackles in the country. Thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of the show. Well, I'll, I'll start off by saying this, Tyler. There's been some mammoth beef come out of Clemson's defensive line in the history of Clemson football when you start thinking about William Refrigerator Perry and, as of late, Christian Wilkins to be considered one of the all-time greats in Clemson defensive line history, deciding to come back for your fifth and final season at Clemson. I know that that was a, a tough decision for you to make, but talk about being one of the greatest defensive linemen considered in Clemson football history? 
Um, it's just such an honor to be, you know, part of those names like Christian, you know, uh, the refrigerator and, you know, Dex Lawrence and so on and so on. Just so honored to be a part of that and so blessed to be a part of those uh, names. And it's just definitely a privilege and definitely was a blessing um, to go out there for my last year and just go out there and perform and stay healthy. And uh, I got to give nothing but go out to glory. So. And, Jim, I know that in talking and seeing Tyler Davis on film, just so very impressed, and I'll let you take it away with Tyler. Yeah. Hey, Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. What about you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, well, let's go back like a year at this time. A lot of our listeners probably don't know. Uh, you were committed to come play in the game last year. You and, you and Ruka Roro, both your teammate. Um and you and I both. I got a phone call on the same morning in January saying you were going back to school. So it's cool that we got you back down this year. Um, you're in the game this year, but talk to the listeners about like what a lot of players are going through right now. What you and Rook went through last year. Um, you know, there's just so many variables now that I don't think the listeners understand. I mean, the schools have an extra COVID year. You know, with you guys, where where you can go back for another year. You got NIL money. You know, you've got this draft thing staring at your face. So, like, there, there's just a lot that players are going through right now. So um, just talk about, like, how difficult that was and, like, you know, who you included in, in those conversations and your decision to go back. And obviously, you know, you went back, you had a great year. Uh, Rook had a great year. But I just don't think listeners realize how difficult, you know, this, this time at the end of your college football career is because you got a lot of different options now. Yeah, it's a very, very difficult decision. Um, but I just sat down with my family, uh, basically my family, uh, most of my dad. Me and him sat down and we just discussed all the pros and cons of coming back and leaving. And we figured, like, at the, when the dust was settled, we figured that, you know, it might be the right choice to just come back and, you know, and put some stuff more, put some stuff more out there on film and just go out there and have a great year. I think I did I did I think I did all the things I wanted to do uh for my last year. So it's just that and then like of course with NIL and stuff like that, but I don't think for me NIL didn't play a part into it so much because, you know, I'm coming back to uh work on my craft and that's what it came down to, just working on your craft and stuff like that and kinda of like fine tuning everything. So all those decisions, and when it does settle, I eventually came back. So, yeah. We're talking with Tyler lot, Davis. It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> go ahead, Jim. Yeah, no, go ahead, Corey, and I'll jump in after you after your next question. Tyler Davis joining us here on our Chavis Furnitures. The draft starts here, Reese's Senior Bowl Show, presented by DNK Suit Discounters. And Tyler is a three time first team all ACC member for the Clemson Tigers. And when you think Clemson, you definitely think the dominance of their defense. And I know that it's just an opportunity to come down here and really show in front of all the scouts, Tyler, what it's all about to, to play not only next to one of the greatest defensive tackles next to you as a teammate, but what does it mean to you having a teammate to come alongside of you to to possibly play in this game. Uh, it means a lot, you know. Me and Root uh, and 
Me and Root, we definitely played a lot of ball together. And just to have a guy, you know, and I'm familiar with out there is very, you know, going to be very exciting for me. And, yeah, I know I know we're going we're gonna to get after it and try to compete with each other, but also just, you know, go out there and do our thing. So it definitely means a lot, and I'm very excited for it. Okay, Tyler, I got a couple a couple easy ones for you, but I, I always like asking this stuff. Um, if you could bring one teammate with you to the NFL, and it it doesn't have to be Rook, <laughs> uh, if you could bring one teammate, because the NFL scouts are going to ask you this too, because they're going to they're going to try to get inside your head on which guys are are good teammates and good in the locker room. Who would you be bringing with you to your next NFL city? Is that okay? Uh, well, <laughs> it definitely would have been Rook, but uh, I'm gonna just. <laughs> well, it can be Rook. Why, why, why would you want to bring Rook to the NFL with you? Uh, because me and him are just we we know like uh, uh, he's just a great guy. Uh, he he loves to compete. He knows how to he knows how to work for sure. He knows how to push people, other people. He really like he's really much so as, as a commander. He's a, he knows how to lead and he knows how to do it. And he just he loves to be coach and he brings the energy every day to practice, so I just love that about him, and he he really just took my game to a whole nother level. Tyler Davis. Hey, I got two more. Yeah, I got go I got ahead. two more quick got two more quick ones, Corey. Go ahead. Um, outside of, outside of your home games at Clemson, what's your favorite visiting stadium you played in in your uh, in your time at Clemson? Uh, surprisingly, I love playing uh and uh at the uh, Gamecock Stadium, uh, just to, you know, even though they're running against against us, it's just the energy is always there, and I, I just love the energy, and I feed off of that, so I would say that. Uh, yeah, williams Bryce Stadium, I agree. I think that's one of the most underrated venues in, in college football. And the last one, you guys have one of the nicest facilities in college football, um, maybe the nicest, and you've got an unbelievable cafeteria What's the best thing they cook in that cafeteria that, that you look forward to? Their uh, wings, you know, uh, they they have some very good wings, I can't lie, uh, <laughs> and their waffles. Uh, my dog, Vern, be uh, cleaning up back there. Uh, shout out to Vern. But, yeah, he, he know how to make a <laughs> uh, waffle and some omelets. So, you know, and some breakfast quesadillas. Tyler Davis, our guest here on the Chavis Furnitures. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl show presented by DK Suit Discounters. And Tyler, you mentioned you're a big defensive tackle. You love to eat. You told Jim, look, you, you love the wings, you, you love the waffles, and you, you just loved your time at Clemson. What is it about dressing out and, and playing for Dabo Sweeney that you're going to miss the most? I'm gonna miss just the energy Coach Sweeney brings. You know, he's a, a God fearing man, and he always know what to say. And I think he's led by the spirit. And well, I know he's led by the spirit, and he's always put the right stuff on your heart to go out there and compete, and just go out there and do your craft in a such a way to honor God. And I just love that about him. I'm definitely gonna miss that. Uh, miss that the most about him. And Tyler, if. You're a four-star high school recruit coming out of Florida. What was it that made you 
choose the Clemson Tigers over your in-state schools, the Florida State Seminoles or the Florida Gators? What was it about Clemson that would make or that you would have to future Clemson Tigers? Would you word of advice you would give as to why they would want to sign and be a part of the Clemson Tigers and Dabo's Sweeney's staff? It was just the people. The people are just different. They uh they don't look at you as a football player. They look at you as a man, and they they look to develop that man. You know, uh, you know we got guys. Uh, we got this program called Paul Journey, where they uh is an initiative for uh, leadership, and they help you be a world class man. And that's just the main thing. Just me developing as a man spiritually, and I know I can get developed as a player. So all three of those things is helped me lead to the decision to go to Clemson and it was one of the best decisions I made in my life. So just all those all those aspects of it and I I say I'll say I made a pretty good decision. Pretty great decision. No question about that. And Tyler, if there's one part of your game that people are gonna love watching you when you come to Mobile, Alabama and, and play in this Reese's senior bowl, what aspect of that game is it, and, and what part of your game are you looking to continue to improve here as you prepare for the NFL draft and the process that goes into it? Um, hopefully, they admire my effort. You know, I'm, I, I, I take it personal. I, I know I take it personally to play with a lot of effort, play hard, and something I'm looking to improve on. Just everything a part part of my game. I hope I get better in the run game. Uh, Definitely get better in the pass game, add a couple moves to my arsenal, and develop more as a pass rusher, and then become an all-around deep tackle. So just those things and competing against the best guys in the in the nation will definitely help me develop that. So I just can't wait, and I'm excited for it. And Jim, before we close this interview out, I know you probably want to have a couple of more questions or a couple of more comments for our guest this evening, Tyler Davis, the defensive tackle for the Clemson Tigers. Yeah, Tyler, Tyler, have you had a chance, have you had a chance to look at the roster yet? And if you have, what offensive linemen are you looking forward to going up against the most? Have you had a chance to look at it? Uh, I'm not, I'm not. Looking, uh, we're really focused on Kentucky right now. So I, I haven't had a chance to look at the roster yet. Okay. Okay. Well, fair enough. You're you're focused on your opponent. That's good. Uh, that's good. And you you know where once you get through the bowl game, and I know that's the main focus right now for sure. Uh, but do you know where you're going to be training and doing all your stuff before you get to Mobile? Where are we uh, where are we getting you on a plane from to uh, get you here? Uh, I'll be at Expos Arizona. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's about just so the listeners know, there's about four or five spots around the country. Southern California, Arizona, Dallas, South Florida, um, Atlanta. A few guys from Atlanta. So uh, we could re basically charter about five flights and get the entire roster oh, wow. here pretty much. So, okay, so you'll be, you'll be finishing up against Kentucky and heading out uh, to the desert to train, huh? Yes. Tyler, yes, Tyler Davis, our guest here this evening on the Chavis Furnitures. The draft starts here, Reese's Senior Bowl show presented by DNK Suit Discounters. And you mentioned Clemson 
playing against Kentucky. And when you look on film, what have you seen so far against the SEC schools? Because, you know, down this way down here at Mobile, Alabama, of course, this is SEC country and uh, Alabama Auburn fans, of course. But there's always that ACC versus SEC mentality. And the times that Clemson has been better than Alabama, the times that Alabama has been better than Clemson, they've been epic championship games that we've been able to watch but when you look in film film against the sec school the kentucky wildcats what what sticks out against you uh most uh against kentucky you know they have a great offensive line uh they have some great receivers you know seven is a playmaker uh number one their running back is very good uh their quarterback went from uh, played at NC State. He was a very good quarterback there. Transferred over. Got he got better. So can't wait to play against him. And uh, you know we played with him. We played against him in the past. Played against him last year. So all in all, they're a great team. Um, they gonna look. Uh, they gonna establish the run and do stuff like that. So we have to stop the run and then you know stop the pass as well with, with the quarterback and all. So. All those things. Definitely going to be a definitely going to be a great matchup for us. Well, we're looking forward to to watching you in that game, and then after that, after your preparation, seeing you here in Mobile, Alabama, for the Reese's Senior Bowl. And with you being from Florida, let me ask you this: We're going to give you a little Mobile flavor, a little history of Mobile before you get here. Did you know, Tyler, that Mobile is the home to the original Mardi Gras? No, I did not. I did not know that. <laughs> See, Jim, we're already schooling. Number one, Tyler Davis, who's coming into Mobile, Alabama. I bet you thought it was New Orleans, didn't you, Tyler? <laughs> no, I definitely thought it was New Orleans. You, you, you see? Now, now, Jim, we're going to have to teach him. We're, we're going to have to show him why Mobile, Alabama, is the original home of Mardi Gras because you have people that don't believe this and it, it just, it means more when you come to Mobile because the draft truly starts here in Mobile, Alabama, Tyler, and we definitely look forward to seeing you and continue to watch your productivity, not only in the bowl game but as you prepare for practices as well. Isn't that right, Jim? Yeah, Tyler, it's going to be uh, fun watching the bowl game, man. If you, uh, if you if you find out what Will Shipley's doing, if he's, he's going to stay at Clemson or come on the draft, let me know. You know, because we can uh, we can bring juniors to the Senior Bowl now. So if Will comes out, maybe we'll, we'll add another Clemson helmet to the game. But but uh, appreciate you hopping on the show, Tyler, and uh, we'll see you here in a little, little over a month. All right. All right, and I will do it. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you so much, Tyler, for taking time out of your practice schedule to join us here on the Chavez Furnitures. The draft starts here, Reese's Senior Bowl show, presented by DNK Suit Discounters. And, Jim, you know, Tyler having a phenomenal teammate on that anchor in that defensive line at Clemson, it's going to be a lot of, uh, of Clemson colors there supporting, and Dabo always comes down regardless and supporting supports his players, but you, you have those Clemson fans that love to come down here, especially when you have two from the same position that are going to go very high in the draft as well. Yeah, I mean, we you know, Tyler's just jumping off the show, so it's too bad I'm not talking about him while he's on the air, but he's really, he's really a good player. He's a little undersized. I'm trying to think of like 
players at Auburn or Alabama, some of the listeners might know that they've had. He's, he's pretty unique. He's uh, like for the Falcons fans out there listening, he's like another former Clemson guy, Grady Jarrett, in terms of his size. He's a little undersized, but he's really explosive. And like he said, he prides himself on his effort. He plays extremely hard. Um, he's got really good quickness to get into the backfield. And, and Rook, Rook Aroraro is his, is his uh, teammate's name, maybe the best name in this year's draft. I, I, still, <laughs> I still can't figure out how to spell it. Um, but, but Rook's different. Rook is uh, – you know, Rook's going to be one of the best-looking guys in his pads when you go out to practice. You see 33 out there with his Clemson helmet. Um, this guy looks like, you know, this is what God created a defensive lineman to look like. And he's uh, he only played one year of high school football. He's from my home state of Michigan. Um, he's a bigger body than, than Tyler, but he, he looks like a big running back. He's like got long arms and um, just a really tapered-looking athlete. And his best football is way ahead of him. Um, I think Rook's probably going to go has a chance to go in the second round this year. Um, that's probably that's probably where he will go. And that's scary to think that that a second round pick is best football still ahead of him. He's still he's still figuring it out a little bit. Um, but both those guys, when you put on the Clemson film, they're fun to watch because they both play extremely hard. Whoever their uh, you know whoever their their position coach and, and assistant position coaches are did a great job just coaching effort out of both those guys. Without question, Jim Nagy still with us, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. And I know anytime I'm following your Twitter and the Reese's Senior Bowl Twitter, I, I, you know, we're partial to SEC guys down here. McKinley Jackson, he's officially accepted his invitation within the last couple of uh, days. He's another disruptor for the Aggies. He's a massive man as well. Yeah, Corey, I was going to ask you as a, a native Mobilian, I was going to get your, your take on this. You know, we, we like to pride ourselves on, on bringing in good local players. We added Cedric Johnson this past week from Davidson. Mm -hmm. You know, we had Chris Abrams Strain and DJ James from Spanish Fork. Well, how far do we have to push out? Do we consider Loosedale, Mississippi local? I, I personally do because when I turn on the local news, I mean, and watch the weather, they, they frequently – you know, bring up Loosedale, Mississippi, and I know I pass it on my way to Southern Miss all the time, so it's only about, I'm guessing you can get to Loosedale in 45 minutes maybe. Or less, um, yeah. Is, so, yeah, is that, is that a, I mean, is that local to you? Is, yeah. Is uh, Loosedale local? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I would consider Loosedale local because, once again, you're sitting there bordering the Mobile County line, so absolutely, Loosedale is definitely within our, our Mobile barriers there. Mobile, Baldwin County, same difference. You drive here to Daphne, same difference, just a different direction. Yeah, well, I, I like it. Yeah, you, you, get, you get down to the, the southern parts of Baldwin County, you're further away than Loosedale. So, um, no, no, McKinley is the guy we're excited about. When we were up at uh, SEC Media Days in July, uh, you know, we were both up there. That was, if you would ask me then, would we get McKinley Jackson in the Senior Bowl? I would have said, you know, that'll that'll be interesting. Um, I think he has first round ability. Um, you know, I don't know if he was used exactly to to showcase his skill set in that Texas A&M defense. They they played him more like a nose tackle, um, and he's super explosive and can get upfield and really be disruptive, as you said, use the word disruptive, disruptive. Um, we're going to play him more as a three technique over a guard rather than the center. 
um, and just let him fire off the ball and get upfield and, and wreak havoc. That's what, to me, that's what his game's all about. Um, you know, the first game that I watched over the summer of McKinley Jackson was the Alabama game, and he'd missed about five or six games before that because of injury. And usually when guys are coming off, you know, an extended timeout like that, they, they struggle just to, you know, get their feel and their footing back. Uh, but man, he was almost unblockable. Alabama could not block him um, in the 2022 game. So we were really high on him coming into the year. Um, and so we're excited to get him. He's, uh, you know, he dominated the Mississippi Alabama uh, high school all-star game when he came out and everyone down here knows what a big deal that is. I think he won MVP of that game, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, that was a, that for an SEC, you know, in terms of SEC additions in the last week, um, McKinley's, McKinley's a really exciting one. And before I let you go, Jim, the last question, Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman Trophy Award. I know you presented his invitation in person, and Joe Milton III accepts his invite, the Tennessee quarterback. So a lot of the guys that we saw at SEC Media Days are coming to the Reese's Senior Bowl, so we'll have an opportunity to make acquaintances with them once again also. Yeah, a lot of SEC players, um, and I'll say this about that. We announced Will Reichert um, from Alabama, but uh, we've got a couple other acceptances from Alabama players, and they want us to hold off on announcing them until they get through playing football, which is which is fine. Same thing with, with uh, some Michigan players and some Washington players. We've had acceptances over the last week, um, and they just want us to hold off until the college football playoff is over. I respect that. They want to be locked in on their team and their teammates and not make it about them as they make this run to the CFP. So, uh, which will make it fun, though. You know, we've, we've already announced, I don't know, 75, 80 players already. Um, but we will have a, a really cool group of players to announce once the CFP is over. Can't thank you enough, Jim, for taking time to join us here on the first half of the Chavis Furnitures. The draft starts here. Research Senior Bowl show presented by DNK Suit Discounters. And it, the draft truly starts here in Mobile, Alabama. And we'll look forward to catching up with you again with a couple of more Senior Bowl invitee players next week right here on the show. Okay, Corey. Thanks, man. We will uh, we'll talk next week. Appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. Executive Director Jim Nagy joining us on the Chavis Furnitures. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl Show presented by DNK Suit Discounters. We'll be right back. This is Charlie Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll Tide. Welcome back to the Chavis Furnitures. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl Show presented by DNK Suit Discounters. Corey Labounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you this evening. Want to thank everybody for tuning in and also want to thank our special guest who joins us, who joined us, Tyler Davis, the defensive tackle for the Clemson Tigers. He's listed and ranked as one of the top five defensive tackles to go off the board here in this 2024 NFL draft. So it was great to catch up with him, his teammate. And I'm going to have to to learn how to pronounce his name. Jim said it pretty fluently. And it, it, it just, it almost, if I said it, it would sound like, uh-oh, like Scooby-Doo sound. Yeah, I'm not even going to attempt. I will attempt when I'm able phonetically to break it down and look at it, but his teammate ranked as the number two defensive tackle that should be coming off of the board. And 
I, I think that Makai Wingo is listed as is the the biggest prospect at defensive tackle, but I, I know that the hard work will pay off for all of those who will be coming and participating in the 2024 Reese's Senior Bowl. And want to thank Jim Nagy as always for his access, his knowledge, and bringing us the 411 on the college football prospects that he was talking about. And it's and it's interesting to see that he talked about Will Reichert already accepting his invitation as the nation's all-time leading scorer as far as from a special team standpoint for the Crimson Tide. But said there are a few more Crimson Tiders who have accepted invites and are going to wait and pump their brakes on that. So it's always great when you're able to have multiple Auburn and Alabama guys. And, Nick, I mean, Loosedale, Jim asked, I think Loosedale, Mississippi is yeah, sitting in count. our backyard. They count. When I was in high school, I knew kids that were in Loosedale. Coming um, over out yeah. of Sims, Alabama. Yeah, they, right. they cross that line and, and go to the biggest school there in Sims, Alabama. So, again, you know, the, the NFL draft, I, I think that we talked earlier to Jason Aponte and what Debo Samuel was able to do within his week's time here in the NFL draft. And that that becomes intriguing and interesting when you start looking at it and those who do accept invites and those who do need to wait on those. But, you know, talking football, the NCAA says that unlimited transfers are inconsistent with the NCAA's mission to graduate athletes, and he believes in abolishing the waiver process. You should have one transfer, and that's what NCAA board chairman and Georgia president, Mr. Moorhead, states. I like the number two. I think two is, you know, maybe you went to the wrong spot. Maybe you were sipping the wrong Kool-Aid. Maybe you got promised something by a coach who's not there anymore. Um, I think I I think two's a good number. What do you think? You think that's too much? You think that gives them too much freedom? Not necessarily enough freedom. Two is a good number. I, I'm very comfortable with two, and it goes back to the judge issuing out of northern West Virginia today, Judge Bailey, his ruling was issuing a 14-day temporary restraining order allowing college athletes to transfer a second time to play immediately. And we know grad transfers, they can go ahead and, and make that transfer without any problems. But those who have yet to graduate, you must sit out that one year. And, you know, people don't like to sit and wait. So your decisions that you do make have to come with not haste, but you must think about every decision and every turn you're going to make, whether it's that initial signing because you get that one transfer and that's it. And, Nick, I, I will ask you this. Coaches are allowed to leave at any time. That's in the NFL. That's in college. That's in high school. Players, should they be allowed to leave at any time? Yeah, I think so. I, I agree. And, and if it's a, not a fit for you, ultimately you, you have to maintain uh, a certain GPA and academic status. 
So with that being said, that's why I don't have a problem with transferring a second and sometimes a third time because there are certain circumstances and situations that aren't fitting you. And because of that, you have to make certain decisions to transfer. But we'll see what happens with this temporary restraining order being issued against the NCAA allowing student athletes to have immediate eligibility. The Chavez Furniture is the draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl show presented by DNK Suit Discounters will continue right after this. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and you're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the Tavis Furnitures. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl Show presented by DNK Suit Discounters. And, Nick, we were talking about the ability for under well juniors now draft eligible juniors to play in the Reese's Senior Bowl and that list will be released at the beginning of January by Jim Nagy so we'll start hearing a lot of those names being dropped by the Reese's Senior Bowl after these bowl games start here on Saturday and we'll get plenty of bowl games that that do start this coming Saturday and I know that you and I of course doing the final drive together when we sit and get ready for those bowl predictions it's going to be a lot of fun to to sit and, and figure out who is winning and who is losing and so on and so forth from a, a bowl standpoint. Yeah, for sure. What what are the bowl games this weekend? What are our first uh, batch of bowl games? So you have Georgia Southern and Ohio in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Okay. You have Howard and FAMU in the Cricket Celebration Bowl. The Cricket Celebration Bowl? Yes, that's the cricket and the phone. Oh, you know? okay. Yep. Uh, Jacksonville State taking on Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Okay. Miami, Miami, Ohio taking on App State in the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. All right. You have the New titles Me sure are wordy, aren't they? Yeah, this one's definitely wordy. New Mexico State taking on Fresno State in the Isleta New Mexico Bowl. Okay. And UCLA and Boise State in the Starco Brands LA Bowl. All right. And in the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. You have California taking on Texas Tech. And that will get us started okay. from a bowl game standpoint. I might watch NFL this Saturday. <laughs> uh, you got a triple header coming your way. Yeah, there are some NFL games this Saturday. I like a good Saturday NFL game. And I th actually think I don't have the schedule off the top of my head. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. But I think that the Saturday games are actually better than the Sunday games. Let's see. On Saturday, you have Minnesota going into Cincinnati. That's Nick Mullins versus Jake Browning. Then you're going to have Pittsburgh going into Indianapolis. That's uh, Gardner Minshew for Indianapolis and Trubisky for Pittsburgh. And then I think this is uh, the game of the day. 
Denver going into Detroit. Denver has been red hot ever since your Dolphins, you know, put 70 on them. Russell Wilson has looked good this year. Um, and, you know, the Lions, they seem to be slipping, so maybe they'll try and get things back uh, on track, or maybe Denver might really secure themselves a playoff spot, and they're really not even that many games back from the Chiefs in that division, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, like you said, NFL on tap, triple header or on Saturday. So so you'll get an opportunity to definitely get your fair share of college and NFL, whichever floats your boat, because college football, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, gets started early at 10 a.m. And when we had George Teague on, he mentioned tonight on his Teague's take, which of these bowls has the the best name or the weirdest name? I, I don't know necessarily which one. I knew the Duke's, Duke's Mayo, Mayo Bowl. Yeah, they got to be up there. What was was really one of those all time classic? I know this year they got the Pop Tart Bowl, where yep. they're going to be introducing the first uh, edible mascot. Man, I can't the wait. Mascot to see that. will be made out of, I guess, real. Pop-Tarts? Yeah. Why not? And so what, they win the game, and then, like, they all just you see chase him down bowl. and, like, take a bite out of him? Hey, so the mascot's going to be eaten. But who's, like, the guy on the inside? Like, he's just <laughs> to lay there where they, like, gnaw chunks La off your costume? Layers. Layers are, oh. are, are good. And, and when What's he finishes... You got a favorite type of Pop-Tart? Man, I got to go with the strawberry, brother. I'm a wild berry guy. I like the purple with the blue zigzag. No, no. I I, I love the strawberry. and it, But it has to have the icing on it. Yeah, the frosting. Yeah, it's got to have the frosting on it. I, I don't like the regular plain Pop-Tarts. Yeah, the dry ones. Yeah, those, those are dry. They'll yeah. make you have to get some water or some juice or something real quick. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a wild berry, man. I don't really do, like, the brown sugar, the chocolate ones. I like fruity things <laughs> no question about it and someone in the app has a question we'll answer the questions in the app next here uh, this is Tim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP Welcome back to the Chavez Furnitures. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl Show presented by DNK Suit Discounters. And as we prepare for the college football playoffs, we'll, we'll have some local flavor that will be helping the Crimson Tide prepare for their national semifinal game. Sterling Dixon Jr., of course, an early enrollee. He'll take and take part and participate in all the activities for the Crimson Tide as they get ready to prepare for the Michigan Wolverines. Very similar to what we've seen Caleb Downs do a year ago, and we saw how that worked out for that true freshman. And as we're beginning to continue to talk about college football, Texas, Malik Murphy, of course we know Quinn Ewers, when he goes down with an injury a few weeks ago, true freshman Malik Murphy and not one Manning comes in and takes over and runs the Longhorns offense. Well, Malik Murphy 
has entered the transfer portal and will not be available for the Longhorns game against the Washington Huskies in the semifinals down in New Orleans. To me, that 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 can be detrimental there because now if you look at what happens if Ewers gets hurt, who do they turn to? Well, the first person they were going to turn to was Malik Murphy, and now that's not the case. So I guess Manning would get the call there yeah. for the Longhorns. And Malik Murphy really didn't play that well um, in Quinn's absence. Three touchdowns, three picks, uh, 40 of 71 for 477 yards. That's about a 56% completion percentage. So, I mean, very, very mediocre numbers. Obviously, super small sample size, but uh, has the, is um, – is there any schools listed on where he's potentially going to go? Just that he is that transferring. That he's in the portal. But but again, at this time of year, that that's vital. And I mean, who's Texas going to turn to? Arch Manning, because when you look at it, well, and this guy's a freshman, so I mean, he's got a long way to go. He does plenty of and you know opportunity. Arch. I mean, Arch is already what in the top ten on all the NIL stuff. You know that he's like the next guy in waiting. So I mean, it it makes sense. You know. Uh, Go somewhere where you think you can be used. I mean, this is a six-five uh, quarterback, so he, he's going to be used and utilized correctly wherever he transfers to. And someone in the app says, "Guys, please make one argument other than the coach can leave. Why or how multiple free transfers make sense and is good for the game? Do you really think you understand the real issues better than the president of the University of Georgia?" You think the Alabama president feels differently? They definitely, I don't think we know, are saying we know more, but I think our perspectives are different as a fan, as, you know, both of us, I think, having a more player-friendly mindset. Um, and, you know, obviously the president of the University of Georgia and Alabama, they're going to want more control, more normalcy. You know, they don't want to, you know, be at the whim of one of these kids transferring in, out, and, you know, potentially their school and team being put in a bad spot. But, I mean, look, like, if a coach leaves, you said not to mention that, but there's an example of why you probably want to transfer. And then what if someone else comes in or recruited in or transferred in that is all of a sudden taking your gig? Now all of a sudden – do you have to just kind of sit there and stew and graduate? Do you have to switch sports entirely? No. I mean, if you got recruited to LSU to be their next quarterback, a year goes by, all of a sudden, you know what? Hey, it looks like you're not going to. But if you were at one point good enough to be recruited to that level of school, to be that position, you can go to a, a lesser tier school and be their bona fide starter. So why not give a kid that opportunity? Why doom them to have to be a third-string quarterback that's not going to play for the foreseeable future when he could go to a Toledo, a Miami of Ohio, and actually have a real-deal college football career like he had dreamed of? So there's my, that's my angle. Well, again, I mean, there's your argument other than the coach can leave as to why you feel that they're – free transfers make sense is good for the game and if the college coach leaves I think that that's where your asterisk and your loophole lies there within because your system may not be my system and I've already transferred once 
and that second opportunity there is available. And I'm not saying that your your coach is going to be fired every year because, I mean, look, in high school football, we've seen short leashes to where there's been a one year and done or two years and done. Just look at one of the most high-profile schools, high schools in the state of Alabama, Hoover, giving Wade Waltrip only two years to, to right the ship at Hoover. So, again, going and making it multiple schools only if the college coach is removed should I think you you should exceed more than two opportunities to transfer because I just think you should let kids follow their dreams, man. If they want to as many times as they want, they want to play a lot of t- time and you know get a lot of uh, play time. Then I think they should be able to go somewhere where that can be. And obviously, kids can make bad decisions. Yeah. Um, but you got to let them make them. And hopefully they got good people in their ear telling them, you know, hey, maybe you actually should stay here and ride it out. Or maybe it is best to, you know, go and start somewhere else. Well, so tomorrow, they're getting good advice. Tomorrow we'll start on what the scheduling is going to look out for the SEC, what time and when and where a lot of SEC, all the SEC schools will be playing in 2024 in divisionless football in the SEC. Thanks for tuning in to the Chavis Furnitures. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl Show presented by DNK Suit Discounters. Want to thank Jim Nagy along with Tyler Davis, the defensive tackle for the Clemson Tigers, for joining us. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on the final drive.